Is that it, yeah, that's acceptable? good. Yeah, that's really okay, good. Good. Emily, if you were to talk the loudest, just you know, the loudest. How do you think it would sound? What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, that's cool. And here we are, Tom. We're back on stage. Son of a gun. I, you know, I, I feel like I, I live here. <laughs> I wonder why that is. I don't know. I don't. You know, I learned something um, interesting the other day. I learned that our guest today, the lovely Emily Whitehurst, uh, played on an MXPX uh, oh. s- uh, recorded song. And uh, this, I want uh, tell us that story about the MXPX mirror. Story. MXPX mirror story. That was, uh, boy, you know that mirror uh, in the lobby. At one time, it was a glorious one-piece uh, rose-colored mirror, and it was it was a beautiful mirror that every kid that grew up in Petaluma between um, 1957. For maybe 50 years in this town, that mirror had been up in, in the lobby. We had MXPX one night, and uh, it was a good full night. I think we, were, we had probably sold it out, and it was an intermission just before MXPX was to go on. And uh, two guys were walking up towards uh, up the uh, first set of steps in the lobby, and uh, one friend pushed his other friend uh, up the stairs, and he reached his hand out, and it went right through the mirror. And uh, oh boy, it was it was a frozen moment. Uh, everybody in the lobby looked, and there was a, a breath, and then he pulled his hand out, and as he pulled his hand out the top of the mirror came down like a uh, guillotine. And oh, it would have chopped his hand off had he not pulled his hand out in time. And that was the end of the mirror. Um, and when we had the glass company come in the very next day, this mirror was, oh gosh, it's, uh, what, about five feet wide, and it was about maybe 25 feet tall. Big mirror, maybe six feet wide. It was huge, a lot of glass. And uh, the glass company, Mike's, from across the street, Mike's Glass, came in and found out that there was absolutely nothing holding that mirror up. Uh, They had glued it (laughs) onto the wall, and uh, the glue had gotten old and was no longer holding it. (laughs) So, oh, man. (laughs) This, I don't know, this thing would have weighed a couple thousand pounds, I think, as a mirror. I actually have, I'll have to show you the piece. We had uh, we had a bunch of squares cut, and I still have one of the squares uh, at my house. and uh, It's a beautiful piece of glass. Uh, and I would say that's just one of many near-death experiences we've had here at the Phoenix in the last 30-plus <laughs> years. Yeah, well, it's, it's always an exciting time. It We're, is. And, and you know what else is an exciting time is tonight... We have Emily Whitehurst yeah, joining us. Emily, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. See? <laughs> what that a treat. Yeah. Emily uh, has a lot of history in this building, has a lot of history locally, has a lot of history musically. She was in Tsunami Bomb, was in the action design, and is in Survival Guide. You might say yep. is Survival yeah. Guide. <laughs> is Survival yeah. Guide. And so we're going to talk with her tonight about all sorts of stuff, and she's going to play us some songs as Survival Guide. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yay. Yay. When did you two first meet, Emily Whitehurst and Tom Gaffey? 
Boy, I would we would I have met you as as Logan's sister? Probably. Yeah, I bet. Probably during the uh, Velveteen days. I bet. Or no, maybe Little Tin Frog. Little Tin Frog days. Yeah. I sure hope so. Yeah. yeah, that was also one of my favorite bands. I thought that was a great band. Background yeah. for the for everybody at home. Emily comes from a very very musical family, a very very Absolutely. active family in Sonoma County, a very very legendary family. In fact, <laughs> her brother Logan Whitehurst was in the Velveteen. Uh, her brother Elliot Whitehurst is currently in Trebuchet, and she, of course, has a <laughs> a lot of musical activity herself. Yeah, but uh, but uh, Logan in the Velveteen, his musical activity predated your musical activity. Yeah, he well, uh, I think the first band he was in when he moved here, um, he was a couple years older than me, <clears throat> and his first band up here was Little Tin Frog. Little Tin Frog, and. Uh, I don't know how long they were together, a couple years maybe. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then and then they started uh, Velveteen. Yeah, he moved over to Velveteen. That was yeah. uh, that was a strong move. And uh, actually, but he had met uh, uh, Judah. Came was in Little Tin Frog mm-hmm. as well. Is that correct? So yeah. that's where he'd met Judah. Then I think. Yeah. It was towards the, the end. At first, Judah wasn't in it. It was that's just right. Owen and Christine. And that's right. Yeah, I recall. And Owen. Yeah. Now, Little, yeah, Tin, Little Tin Frog, would, were they more popular, you think, than Velveteen? No. As Velveteen, far as you're no, concerned no. here. Um, they had a good run. Uh, they, uh, they were well-liked. Uh, they had a great sound. And, but no, Velveteen went, uh, went quite a bit farther than Little Tin Frog. There was, you know, it was, uh, Little Tin Frog was their young writing days. Uh, they got a lot stronger with Velveteen. And then, and boy, and I'll tell you what, and I think Logan's still, uh, Logan's strongest uh, point was uh, Junior Science Club. It's still one of my favorite CDs. It's just, yeah. wow, is that an incredible piece. So your introduction to this building that we're in right now, the Phoenix Theater, was through Logan then? I would assume so. It's hard to remember the first time I was ever here. Yeah. Because I've been here so many times. <laughs> well, your early days of rock and roll were kind of a blur. That I think about. <laughs> Holy cow. But, but you were here first as a fan. Yes. Then as a performer. Yes. I would assume so. What was your first band called? My first band ever? Yeah. Uh, generic Asphalt. <laughs> Tell us about Generic Asphalt. <laughs> generic Asphalt. Well, it was a band uh, that I kind of adopted in high school. My my stepbrother had a band, at the, and actually Logan was in the band too for a while. It's kind of this like we were the only band in town, really. Was this down in in uh, in Los Panos? Los, yeah. Los Panos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't there wasn't any sort of music scene there at all. There was nowhere to play or anything, mm-hmm. and um, they started a band, and then uh, and then let's see, somebody left. My stepbrother left the band, and and so I took over as singer. And uh, it was pop punk. We wanted to be just like MXPX, pretty much. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, and uh, it was very silly and uh, and fun. But yeah. So, like, what a treat that is that you know you, you looked up to MXPX and then you got to like yeah. I referenced earlier, you got to record a song with them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that, really yeah. That's like one of those things that you're just like. Well, I bet while you were doing it, you were like, "Holy shit!" Totally. I can't believe that. Yeah. I, I never came to the Phoenix at all when I was younger. I was sort of late to... We didn't allow him. Yeah, I wasn't allowed. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I definitely like knew of you through your band Tsunami Bomb. So it's just, it's yeah. just an interesting thing. Um, I don't know. It's just, I guess this sort of, the whole musical track is interesting because I, you looked up to MXPX and then you got to play with them. But then you, there's a bunch of people who look up to you as a performer. Yeah. Is that strange for you to hear? Um, 
I guess not because I do understand it. You know, yeah. I am that person too that looks up to other bands. And actually, this would be a good time for us to tell you uh, what we've done is we've gotten a list of all these people that have looked up to you and wanted to play <laughs> with you, and we're going to make that happen for them. It's kind of <laughs> tonight. <laughs> uh, well, throughout the next couple of years, there's a whole list of them. It's going to take a while. It's awesome. The, it's the Tom Gaffey Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> it's the Make-A-Wish. That's true. If you want to come and play with Emily, you know, let me know and we'll set it up. So generic asphalt. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was when you were in high school there. Yeah. And were you in that band when Logan moved to Sonoma County? I was. Okay, so... Yeah. It's just a fascinating thing, the Whitehurst clan, because, <laughs> again, they have all this history up here in Sonoma County. Logan led the charge from Los Banos, yep. which is uh, what, three hours away? About, yeah. Yeah. A little less. And then I assume you were the next one to follow, yeah. and then Elliot was probably the next one to follow, yep. and then Alex was the next one <laughs> yeah. to follow. So it's cool. So uh, you did generic asphalt, and then what happened after that musically for you? Uh, after that, when I moved up here, um, I went to Sonoma State, and my... My mom didn't want me to have a band when I first got up here. Well, they were paying for the like, college education. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Just focus on your schoolwork. School, please. So, um, but after a semester, I decided that she was wrong and that I needed to start another band. So, um, I started the band Plinky, which was Plinky. another pop punk band, a pop punk trio that I was singing and playing bass. Did you start the band without telling her? Was it like a uh, dating the guy behind yeah. <laughs> behind her? You're never going to date him, and then you do it anyway? Well, I think, I, I mean, I told her eventually. I didn't go out and call her like that day, you know, yeah. to, to tell her. But whenever I had to, I did tell her. By the way, I'm in a band, and we're going to New York. <laughs> were you a music major? No, I minored in music eventually, but uh, I, that was because I, you know, the music classes were fun, and I realized yeah. that I had enough that I could make a minor out of it. So what was Plinky's greatest accomplishment, would you say? Or your proudest moment uh, with Plinky? Ooh. Coming up with the name. I <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, we played a we played a Battle of the Bands at End of the Beginning. And um, yeah. we, we, <laughs> we made this really awesome Eye of the Tiger intro uh, on drums and bass. And our guitar player stood in the back of the room with his hoodie on. And then he like jogged up to the front and jumped on stage. So that was, I would Classic. say that was probably our highlight. You know, people are always criticizing the current age with everybody on their cell phones and at concerts, people holding up their phone and all yeah. that. But don't you wish you had that on tape? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, that would be one, one yeah. good reason to have the technology we have now back then. That is then. true. <laughs> what year was that about? Uh, that was probably, probably 99, maybe. Okay, there we go. So, you know, Tom has an incredible amount of history with the inn at the beginning. That's uh, yeah, that's true. I got thrown out of there a couple times when I was a kid. <laughs> that's true. We got, I threw sandwiches at uh, oh, got feet way way bill <laughs> and got thrown out for that. That's true. And, and was uh, that a situation where you got thrown out and you had to buy a ticket to get back in? No, we were too young to be in even. Okay. And uh, Mark did this to it to us twice before I knew Mark. Who he is, sold who us who is Mark? Mark Bronstein. He was uh, the originator. He was the the uh, the guy that started. Uh, uh, founded the end of the beginning. The end of the beginning was in Katati, right? In Katati, he started out as uh, I think a manager for um, uh, uh, Janis Joplin's first uh, band, okay, uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company. And you know, there's a board game, the rock and roll board game, and on this rock and roll board game, you can land on a square that says 
um, played a gig in Katati, all of your equipment got stolen, lose one turn. <laughs> and kind of, I think that's what happened to Mark. He ended up stuck in Katati somehow and started at the end of the beginning. Now, when I was uh, the first show, we, we got thrown out of a country porn show. And it's really weird because country porn, the bass player for country porn. Is that a band, porn, country that porn? That was a band. <laughs> I didn't know that. Their bass player was. You did or you did I not? I did not. <laughs> their bass player was Bob Herman, Clayton Herman's father. Clayton has a, uh, a shop, uh, a tattoo shop across the street. And Bob Herman was, uh, boy, uh, I think the vice principal at, uh, at Kenilworth Junior High for a while. He was the bass player for country porn. And we loved the bands. We went and saw them. I think we were 17. What's the genre for country porn? Uh, country porn. <laughs> was it vulgar lyrics? <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, they were catchy little kind of vulgar lyrics. Yeah, they were. And, I mean, is it metal? Is it is No, it no, it was country. It was, oh, it was actually doing, country. Yeah, they were doing, uh, you know, Country Joe and the Fish. Back This would have been in... 72, I bet. And, um, yeah, and, and country was in. It was all one, four, five stuff, you know, almost done in 12 bars. It was uh, uh, kind of catchy tunes, though. And we went to see them, and Mark sold us all tickets. And then uh, said, no, you guys aren't even old enough to be here. you got to get out, and threw us out. And that happened again for the Tube Show. But we really deserved it at the Tube Show. It was the Food for the World show, I think. And somehow they were kind of like throwing sandwiches out at the crowd. And one of my friends looked at the sandwich and didn't like it and threw it back at the band. And actually, I did not throw a sandwich. But we all got kicked out anyway. <laughs> it was, we had to go. So, so anyway, you both had very historic moments in your life. Yeah, the end at of the, the end of the beginning. <laughs> Holy cow. That when did that, when did that place shut down? Boy, you know... Oh, I didn't even know that it was open in 1999. It was. You know, Mark had, had uh, moved over to the Cabaret, which was a better building and a, a great club. And uh, he left the end of the beginning at that time, and I bet uh, that was in about 79 or 80. But the end of the beginning did stay on. It did keep keep doing music for quite a while. You played there, you think, in 99? Yeah, 98 or 99, 98 probably. Or, and it limped on. It started having problems with the neighbors uh, because in, instead of being a cool little uh, jam band uh, place that it was in the 70s and, and uh, uh, throughout part of the 80s, it became more of a punk club. They were doing metal. It was too loud for the neighborhood, and they were just they couldn't keep up. It uh, they finally lost their uh, lost their lease for doing rock and roll. I think. Okay. Yeah, and I was just thinking about it, uh, just about the the Whitehurst effect in Sonoma <laughs> County. Yeah, they ruined the end of the beginning. <laughs> uh, the first time I ever I think went to see a show at the Phoenix was a Velveteen show in two thousand five. Oh, really? So it's just uh, a, a strange go. situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was talking with Tom and your brother Elliot. Uh, I don't know, two months ago or something, and I I, I just like just missed Logan. Because uh-huh. 2007 oh. was when I started doing things at the Phoenix, and then 2006 when was when he passed away. Um, but I have I've heard all this, you know, I've heard the Junior Science yeah. Club, which Tom always praises. Oh yeah, I still want to do Monkeys Are Bad People in front of a live audience one time. <laughs> but you need to find a very good keyboard player for that. <laughs> That's still one of my all-time favorite tunes. That's got to be in my top five. I love that tune. Good heavens! But yeah. we, of course. We are here to talk to Emily. Uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you, you, Plinky, Plinky happens. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> this then, from the sister of the guy that wrote "Monkeys Are Bad People." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, what happened after Plinky? Um, after Plinky, let's see. I I'm trying to remember. It might have even been during Plinky, 
or Plinky was kind of falling apart or something and uh, Tsunami Bomb had already started. They had a different singer, but they were losing their singer. She was moving uh, to Oregon and we had, we as Plinky had played with Tsunami Bomb and loved it and it was super fun. And so then uh, when the original singer Kristen was leaving, they asked me if I wanted to join Tsunami Bomb. So I did. Now, in the bands that you've been in, um, I guess up to that point, were you sort of the member of the band that was very active in terms of booking shows and in terms of, you know, writing songs and all of that? I mean, I would imagine so, because it seems like you were sort of in a leadership position. What was your role like in Plinky and, to a lesser extent, generic asphalt? (laughs) Um, Well, I always written I've always written my own lyrics um and then as far as the other you know booking and stuff both of those bands were not very serious I mean we you know we wanted to play as much as possible but we weren't um on any sort of driven path to success so we just you know asked around and just played whatever shows came up as a team, kind of, you know, I wasn't there going, guys, we got to get together. And, you know, and plus at that time, we were all young enough that everyone was, everyone in the band was really excited to play and practice and just practice all the time and practice for hours and just play music all the time. So seems like that fades as people get to their it, uh, mid-20s, uh, yeah, you know? It, 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 it hasn't yet for me, but it has for but pretty for much everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny, though? <laughs> I remember a time, like, you know, uh, my brother was in a bunch of bands, and I had a bunch of friends that were in bands, and it seemed like everybody used to really love to, like, play every couple weeks, and it was just this big, active scene. Everybody's yeah. practicing. And now, it, you know, as people get older, it's like, eh, it's so much work to set yeah. up all the equipment, you know? <laughs> Can we just not... <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. a funny thing that happens to people. Yeah, well, I, I, I feel like it does happen to most people. Yeah, which is a bummer for uh, people like me who just want to keep playing. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned you wrote the lyrics. Do, do you feel? I mean, I don't know. A lot of a lot of people are very intimidated by writing their own lyrics. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel that sense of intimidation, or did you just believe in yourself and with practice, 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 you, you know, you got better and better and better at it? Um. I wouldn't say intimidated, but I still, I don't know. It is an interesting thing because it's kind of uncomfortable to just write about real things and real feelings and, and put them out there and have them judged. And I, I still am not fully comfortable with that. Um, but I just kind of do what I have to do. <laughs> You know, and and I'm an extremely slow writer too. Uh, maybe because of that. Maybe because you know, I want I don't want it to be too something <laughs> silly or I don't know. Well, you're. I mean, Tom, you're a lyricist also. Yeah. I mean, do you time. identify with that? Yeah, to some extent, you know. But geez, I've been writing really uh, so many songs that so many people will never hear. Um. I, you know, I, I related in, in one uh, instance. Uh, I wrote a song last year, um, This Old World, and it really was in response to a friend of mine who had committed suicide again. And for me, it was really uh, an important tune, but there is absolutely no one that I play it for that likes it at all. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's really too bad. Do you feel that it's too too personal and on the nose, maybe? No, I... 
Not at all. Doggone it, man. I think there's some really great lines in there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess it is. Uh, I think they, well, it's it's a gospel tune, kind of. Yeah. And I think that that's dangerous to do uh, for for a lot of audiences. They don't, they uh, they don't want to get that serious about about even discussing faith, I think. Or I don't know what it is. That tune just uh, has not made it. When I write the catchy little, like, the song about Wellesie getting laid and all that, they like I, that I believe stuff, it. I believe I, it. it's not getting laid. It's about Wellesie getting a hand. Yeah, that's true. It's called, yeah, let's give a hand to Wellesie for the hand job. Quite frankly, you're right. It's you a country tune. It is, you, might, a, you might call it country porn. <laughs> it's country porn. And it's a true story, by the way. Um, you know, I, I, that's a tricky thing, though, about, like, creating any sort of art, you know, is like yes. you're feeling these things and you want to express these things and you also, to a certain extent, want to make sure people understand and get the message you're trying yeah. to convey. But when you just lay it on too thick or you present it in a certain way, it, it it's not good. You know what I mean? So you have to be subtle about it. You have to... You know what? Uh, in, my, in my experience. Yeah. It's good for the person writing it, I think. It, you uh, When you said uh, you, you put it out there, I think you, you take some risks putting yourself mm-hmm. out there. It's, it's like good actors taking risks. When you see an actor do something, you go, oh my God, I can't... How do you do that? Well, I guess the theory is that they find that within themselves. And I think that's what you do when you write your songs. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In times when I've experienced like you know great sadnesses or, or great traumas, and you know I, I've tried to use art to sort of I don't know uh, channel that and deal with those experiences. A lot of the time, when you're so deep in the despair, what you produce, at least for me, can kind of be a little too heavy. But it's when you're a little bit removed, but you're still feeling the sting a little bit. Is when you can yeah. make something that makes sense and is good. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense to yeah, you. Yeah, it does. For me, also, a lot of times I will take two things and make them into one song like if there's one thing that's that's like say there's one person that's really irritating me uh and i want to write a song about them i start writing a song about them and but i don't really want it to be super obvious so i'll you know maybe that person also reminds me of a a character from a book or another person in my life and i and i kind of throw some of that in there too so it's you know it's not totally just one thing it, I, I think it's kind of a way, almost like a way to protect myself too, yes. you know? It's like, yeah, you put layers in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and when people are listening to it, they're not exactly sure. I mean, was I guess that, that, that. about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it Carol King, You're So Vain? Did she write You're So Vain? And everybody uh, was trying to figure out who, <laughs> who it was about. <laughs> who it was about. And there was a lot of speculation of all things that it was about Henry Kissinger for crying out what? Well, I, you know, when we have when we have Carol on the show, we're going to get to the bottom yeah, of this thing point. once and for all, because enough's enough. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and but there's value to all of it, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, in my opinion, you you can make something that is really inaccessible to anybody else, but it helps you deal with what you're feeling, right. and in that way, it's valuable. Yeah. Um, I also think that people, in my experience, when people talk to me about lyrics, which is rare, people don't usually want to talk about lyrics, but. Yeah. Um, the when they do talk to me about them they will say oh you know this song really helped me through this really hard time and you know because my i don't know my grandmother was dying or something and and it's absolutely not what the song was about and that's how they interpreted yeah they they interpret it to be about whatever is happening in their life which i think is really awesome because you know then people can relate to it even if it's not exactly what i wrote it about that is an amazing thing, and I wonder how much um, how much of that goes on. You know, yeah. there's so a much lot, analysis of, of art, and we're talking everything across the board from literature to music to film, 
And, you know, people talk about art as if they've got it figured out. This is what this means yeah. and this is what this means. But a lot of the time, you hear this all the time, what you're saying, which is, yeah, uh, the way people interpret it is not at all how I wrote it. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It really yeah, it is. is. Yeah. You move people in other ways, mm-hmm. in ways d- you didn't expect. D- and what you're going to find is some of the songs that you wrote five and 10 years ago, and for me, like 20 and 30 years ago, I will dust them off and play them, and they'll mean something entirely different. To you? Yeah. yeah. It's really incredible how that works. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, I have a guitar player I've been playing with for about 20 years now. And, you know, that son of a gun couple of years ago, I said, I have no idea what you're singing. <laughs> you didn't listen to any lyrics ever. Yeah, does that bother either of you as lyricists um, that people don't listen to lyrics? It, or, I mean, a lot of people don't. Yeah. A lot of people don't. I shouldn't say, <laughs> no, like, I shouldn't oh. say nobody. You know, I mean, you probably do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, I do too, yeah. No, it doesn't bother me. I mean, maybe it did at first. Because it's like, I, I'm not a lyricist, but... Yeah. You know, it's sort of the words in the song are sort of yeah. important. Yeah, you they, know? Are, they are <laughs> pretty important. <laughs> and I mean, I'm guilty of it. I really am. You know, I, I'll, I'll if the total song sounds good, you know, I, I, it's probably after like 15 or 20 listens until I'm really delving into the lyrics. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't listen to most songs 15 to 20 yeah. times. So <laughs> it, that's just an interesting way that people process music. Yeah. I I, I'm not super um, picky about other people's lyrics. Yeah. Uh, Unless they stand out in a really bad way. Yeah. See, I, don't, I don't judge very and much. That, and I'm quite different. I thought I was quite different. I thought I really paid close attention. But I'm working on a project right now on a very old piece of music. We're doing The Wall. And I had no idea <laughs> some of the stuff that Roger Waters was writing there. I had no idea what this, was, what this whole piece was about until we started really studying and working on it. So, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, that's part of being a lyricist. People really don't. Pay that much attention to you yeah. throwing your heart out at them. <laughs> Which well, I guess maybe can give you some calm if you're worried about yeah, putting yourself out there. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Only 5% of the audience is really looking up the lyrics <laughs> anyway. And they they yeah. thought you were saying something entirely different. Yeah. No. It's, that's interesting, though, because people, uh, being in a few different bands, people always, you know, sing kind along. of, I, they sing along. Yes. They identify with the singer. The most, yes. you know, the singer's the one they want to talk to. Yes. The singer's the face of the band, and everyone—it's like that's where the the message is coming from. But most people aren't really listening to it. <laughs> yeah, because you—I mean, especially with Tsunami Bomb, you had a ton of kids down in front singing along. Yeah, they were absolutely pouring over this stuff, and they were in. Yeah, but then you find out later. Yeah, wait a minute. So you had no idea what what I was singing. <laughs> I mean, isn't that fun? <laughs> when did Tsunami Bomb pl- with you? play their first show at the phoenix do you recall um yeah i think we played i feel like it was maybe a halloween show um oh it's so hard to know probably it was either 99 or 2000 i would say i joined the band in 99 99 okay. and they had already played here once i think so they were not a band for a very long time before you joined about i I think about six months. Okay. Yeah. What? They were still gelling. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. When you when you joined the band, it really became, yeah, the band that it was. And then you, you obviously, I didn't actually know this until I was kind of preparing for this thing today. I didn't know that you weren't a founding member. Um, yeah. That's interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, it, it kind of started at more, I feel like it started more like the other bands that I had already been in at that point, just kind of like. Oh, this is fun, you know, play some shows around, whatever's happening. 
but it really most is. of the band i think that's true i do believe was this this was after headboard wasn't it it well, i think they were still going but yes sort of so i think your bass player maybe had intention oh, yeah. of, of taking it farther than anybody yes. can imagine yeah, he and was so, very driven yeah. for sure so what was headboard for the audience at home yeah a headboard was uh it was it was uh kind of a a uh, an invention of uh glenn and uh dominic um Glenn Rubenstein? Glenn Rubenstein and, and uh, Dominic Davi. And, gee, there was one other. But it was done as, I don't know if they started out as serious as, as they had meant to be, but they almost, uh, they actually were had reached a modicum of success. Okay. And I think it was actually through a lot of Dominic's connections down in, in L.A., quite possibly. They got some shows down there and maybe even did a little bit of recording and hooked in with the re- uh, they did a Grease tune, a tune off of Grease, and it hooked in with the, the reissue of the movie Grease, and they actually got to almost, I think they got to do some promotional stuff behind that. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Was they a, were, did you, do you know about Hyderport? Do you know their music at all? Uh, I'm not very familiar. I've heard the name, uh, but I haven't listened to them. They're like rap. Yeah, kind of a rap. With, uh, the, but they always had a female vocalist yes. to sing, yes, like to sing did. the choruses. That's right. They were kind of ahead of the... They it. really were. It was uh, <laughs> Bloodhound Gang. They, I, they were trying to be uh, something like Bloodhound Gang. Oh, did Headboard play one of the Nostalgia Fests? Yes. Yes, they just that's, did. That's why I, they're fresh in my mind. Right. They played one of those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Other, otherwise, it. before that, I don't think I'd heard of them. I mean, I mean, God bless him. Well, that, but, no, <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, I was shocked when you said that you started in, in 1999 or 2000. That was 14 years ago. <laughs> Holy cow! So it's, it's been a while for Headboard. You shouldn't have heard of them, probably. Well, I mean, I was 1999. I was a sophomore in high school. Well, then you should have heard of them. <laughs> yeah, but see, again, I, I was very late to the game. Here. Yes, it's true. Didn't come here until three years after I graduated Boy. from high school. So you joined Tsunami Bomb. Were you uh, writing? Did you start to write songs for them? Yeah, I mean, we had. They already had um, probably five or six songs written when I joined the band that they were playing shows with. So, um, but yeah, we started writing more stuff from there, and I just wrote lyrics from there. So obviously we're going chronologically, uh-huh. um, and obviously Tsunami Bomb was a, a period, or at least for a while, of you know, great success, or you know, yeah. however you judge that. You actually got to go around the world with that band. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spectacular. Yeah, it was awesome. We yeah. went to Japan and Yes. Did you Europe do Europe? And, you did Europe? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. Yep. And was the band very popular in Japan? Um, we played two shows in Japan. Um, what a thrill that is, huh? Oh, yeah. It was so awesome. Except... I was sick and I lost my voice. Oh, that's a problem. So, yeah, as, that as was, uh, <laughs> I believe uh, the voice of the band, it's, yeah, it's important yeah. if you have a voice. Luckily, after about, because I lost it um, in the first song on the first show. Oh. And um, luckily, I figured out how to sing a little bit softer and it worked. So I was Good. able to do both shows and I wasn't going to, I just was going to worry about it later, you know. <laughs> Did you have any fans that knew you guys in Japan? When we, you did. You we did. We did. Yes. I mean, it wasn't huge. It was. We played the same club two nights in a row. Beautiful. And I think it was a 500 capacity, um, and it was um, it was either sold out or nearly sold wow, out. Wow, excellent for both shows. You bet. Far so, out. Yeah. Far out. Far out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did now it was a club. It wasn't a sit down uh, right. show. 
but I've heard that the Japanese are very a very respectful audience, and I hear and I've yeah. heard at the end of a song, it's just like a lot of applause, and it's just yeah, they were it was very deferential. Yeah, they kind of um, they were kind of crazier during the songs, and then after the song, they would just kind of be very politely clapping and pretty huh, pretty wow. quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was that's, interesting. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, if, well, maybe the American audience should they're, they're yeah. Japanese <laughs> take a cue from that. <laughs> so, and then did you play similar size clubs when you went to Europe and think in the other countries you went to? Yeah, in Europe. Well, in uh, in Japan we were headlining, and in Europe we only did one headlining tour, but we did a bunch of support tours. Like we supported the Vandals um, a couple a times. One. We supported Bouncing Souls. Oh, that's a good. One. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else we supported we did we did um i'm trying to think when we headlined there how big were the they were a lot smaller yeah the clubs I mean, were a lot smaller it was like you know maybe a 200 capacities but and was, then some were really big and too big but it was still cool i mean <laughs> oh yeah you, you awesome. played a bunch of different countries over there yeah i love traveling so much so it, i was it, really excited there's nothing greater than traveling with a job like that yeah you know, it's because it's anybody, not anybody, but you know, it's traveling's great, but there's just a real thrill about it. It's like, there's a reason that I'm here. I'm going to get to experience this, this beautiful place, but I'm also going to get to do my thing. Yeah. And to me, that's just, that's, that's, that's life well lived. Yes, I agree. Um, it's really amazing. So we're jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, you guys achieved a lot of success and that's really cool. And I'm, you, you watched a lot of it, right? I mean. Yeah, I did. It's, it was always a great energy here. Um, always a good crowd and, and the energy was just always an awful lot of fun. What do you, yeah. I mean, it's probably impossible to sum it up, but what do you think the reason was that Tsunami Bomb had that level of success? Like what, what, what fell into place? Who knew who, what work was put in or was it just the right people heard it and one thing led to another? Well, I think that Tom is right that, that Dom, our bass player, was really, um, he knew a lot of people. He was really good at talking to people and yeah. making friends with other bands. And and um, he was a businessman. So he um, he really catapulted, um, helped, helped catapult by getting us lots of shows and stuff like that. I also think that um, we were in the right place at the right time as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. You know, it was a the great genre. time in rock and roll. Yeah. Um, and especially being, um, I think we had a little bit of an advantage having a, having a female front person too, because there weren't, there were hardly any, there were a small handful of female fronted punk bands at the time. What were some of the other ones? Um, Tilt. Oh, that um, was a great they, band. They might have been. They might have been not <coughs> even playing at that point. I don't know. Um, they were close to the end. At yeah, that point, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no pressure, but you know, yeah, not that I mean, many. In other words, no. I mean, a- everyone would compare us to No Doubt, even though they're like ska, more ska than anything, and we were not at all. But I, I got used to that too. People just compared me to whatever female vocalist they knew. It's funny how time goes on, and in the beginning, something like that will annoy you, but in the yeah. end, you're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're like, we're like, no doubt, yeah. okay, <laughs> fine. How would Tom? How would you describe? Uh, I don't know. Emily is the front person for Tsunami. She was great. Uh, it it was I think the beginning of, of their success. Um, you have a great presence. There's no Thank doubt you. about it. You command the stage. 
And uh, and it was the whole H and M thing for crying out loud. That was really working good. <laughs> Let's it talk about H and M. That was that's a nickname for yeah. you. How did yeah. that come about? Did you give yourself that name? It was it was actually given to me by Dominic oh, okay. um, because we played a Halloween show. Um, one of our really really early shows, maybe even the first show I played with Tsunami Bomb, and um, I was dressed like a secret agent, kind of. And he called me Agent M, and it, it stuck. It stuck. <laughs> wow. It really did. And it yeah. was yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great because people were constantly trying to guess what my name was, and they thought it was you know Melissa or Michelle. Far or, out. But and also I've been used to people calling me M my entire life, so everyone in the band oh. just called me M, and it wasn't like real awkward for them or anything. They how, had they had a name the singer contest and nobody got it. <laughs> how often do you have people come up to you nowadays and be like H and M? Ah, um, every once in a while. It's yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, it's really funny. Isn't that <laughs> must be kind of fun? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it, maybe for you, it's like just the right level of fame. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Where oh, it's yeah. like you can it's, do whatever you want, but yeah. occasionally you get a sprinkling of hey, I know you, I love your stuff. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. last yeah. time that um when uh. Jason and I played in Seattle uh, as survival guide. We walked to, I really wanted to get some boba tea. So I we love walked boba. To, we walked to a boba shop. You know boba, Tom? <laughs> no, I, I don't know boba. Oh, tell him about it's boba. Amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's well, amazing. It's well, it's an Asian. Uh, it it's doesn't like have a, little round balls. It does. It, 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 it does. balls are. It does. Yeah, that's, wow. that's it. Wait a minute. But I thought that was chai. That's not chai. No. No, you can get chai boba, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's like these yeah. little wonderful balls. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, tapioca balls. I yes, think. yes. Tapioca. So we went to a boba shop and we were ordering our boba, and the girl behind the counter was like, "Can I take a picture with you?" Oh, far out. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Um, sure." <laughs> Can I just she get my like, tea? Or? Yeah. But it was funny because she just she didn't say anything like i know who you are like oh the show tonight or whatever she just can i, can take, I take a picture, picture? <laughs> did, wow. you, did you see her at the show that night no i was like oh are you coming <laughs> to the show and she said no i i have some other stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> well then no you can't take yeah. a photo with me well okay yes you can take the photo but it's ten dollars yeah. <laughs> um okay here's a question I, I i'll ask both of you and maybe i'll share mine too as I assume that Tsunami Bomb was the first band that you were in where you were achieving heights in your music yeah, career. Yeah, it wasn't Plinky. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, please, generic asphalt. Yeah, but Plinky I mean, had there the There was some moments, though. okay? <laughs> the only pop punk band in Los Angeles. In Benos. town, yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> True. Yeah. But um, what was the first experience, I guess, with Tsunami Bomb where you were like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening right now. Whether you open for this band where you're like, this is crazy. I mean, this I never thought anything like this would happen. And then, Tom, I guess I would ask the same question for you about you with the Phoenix while Emily's thinking. Yeah. Maybe. Like, who, what was the first time you had something happen here at the building that you were a part of or you were an integral part of where you were like, this is like a dream come true. I can't get over this. It was probably, um, oh my gosh, well, I can't remember the name of the band. Uh, Jesus walking on the water. Uh, <laughs> was, we had uh, it was a sold out show and the pit was going off, and they had just dragged one of my staff, <laughs> my stage security guy, into the audience and we we're pummeling it. <laughs> it was the most incredible moment. He was having a good time with it because he got to fight his way out of a big mess. And uh, 
Oh man, I wish I could remember the name of the band. What, but what is that? A song? Jesus walking on the yeah, water. Yeah, Jesus walking on the water. It was a. Uh, um, oh, violent Femmes. Yeah, violent Femmes, oh. Of course. See, I do the Jesus Walking on the Water tune. I've done that with a couple bands, and, and that's so I always remember them. So that w- was that the first rock and roll show you put on here? It really was. Uh, we did a rock and roll show uh, once when I was in high school, and then we did another one. Maybe in '78, I did one. Also, we had a. I had a. My first production company was Sonoma Coast Productions. You made that name up? Yeah, I did. That's yeah. a pretty far out name, Tom. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad. <laughs> I thought. And uh, and we did a show here then also. So I had already. It was my third rock and roll show. Well, yeah, you know, I, I just want to say something. Uh, okay, so Sonoma Coast Productions. Did you have a logo for it? Uh, no, I, you know, I never took it that far. I was this, not a logo guy. So this is not an original thought. Somebody else made this thought up, but I'm going to debut it here. If the Phoenix ever isn't a thing, God forbid, you should open up a shop out in Bodega Bay. <laughs> Sonoma Coast. And you, and, no, oh. and you should sell saltwater taffy. Saltwater taffy. And oh. you should call it... Saltwater Gaffies. Gaffies. Saltwater. So I'm just, this is a thing to think about. Lance You've got Lou. the relationship with the coast. I mean, yeah. no, that would be Lance Lou in second grade. Uh, Gaffy Taffy. Gaffy Taffy. He would come and pull on me and try and pull pieces of taffy off me. Well, when we yeah, have him on the show, the we're going to definitely talk to him about okay. that. That was, that's, I think he's a producer at KRON. So, but anyway, Violent Femmes. Yeah, uh, we still had the seats uh, in the. There were auditorium. still some seats, and there was still some, and there was room for pit. Uh, it was half seats and half pit area. Oh, okay, I've been. To, there's a place in Santa Cruz. Do you know Santa Cruz very well? Have some, you played yeah. there much? There's mm-hmm. a place called the Rio. Yeah, the Rio. Oh no, I haven't been there. Okay, they have the same deal. I same guess you setup, used to yeah. have the the front part as a pit, and then we the could, back yeah. is your theater. We seating. could remove the seats, and we did. We removed the seats for the Violet Femme show, and so it was half seats and half uh, half uh, pit. And the pit was incredible. On the Violent Femmes. On the Violent Femmes. And then, you know what? Another one was actually uh, um, uh, Josh Staples' other band, uh, Conspiracy. They had a pit going. They were singing, this is a conspiracy uh, against me. This is a conspiracy against me. It's a conspiracy against me. And and everybody in the room was, it was balcony, floor, everybody was involved. And the floor bounces up and down when you've got like, you know, 500 people on it jumping up and down. Yeah, about uh, that number. Yeah, It was a hot moment. That's really that's funny you mentioned against me because um, and we'll come back to you Emily I promise okay <laughs> um, the the first time uh, I, you know I've been promoting shows here for seven or eight years now and yeah. Uh, yeah, against me is not the biggest band in the world or whatever but I mean they are a national yeah. touring band and so they were like the first like big big national they band were. that I, I did they were here your first national and yeah. I remember uh, just getting them and like looking at the poster on the front window and thinking like you know what like. We, Tom and I could like really like bring a lot of big bands here <laughs> again. Why aren't, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Uh, and I just remember like just being like so giddy at the idea that oh. I could email bands and be like, hey, you know, what the hell you want to play? And sure, you know, you'll get shot down maybe 19 out of 20 times or whatever. Yeah. But and then actually just last December when we had Snoop Dogg here, yes. I mean, I, I've been doing it for seven or eight years, but I, I don't feel jaded yet. Like that was a moment where I was like, I cannot believe I'm yeah, watching Snoop Dogg on the stage. You have to understand, you did get called a sellout for bringing that show. I got called a sellout. Actually, you got called a sellout for yeah. bringing, ti- or we got called a sellout for bringing Tiger Army. Well, that's true. Yeah. And uh, no, the big sellout one was uh, Hanson. We got called <laughs> oh, a sellout. That's true. They hated us for Hanson too. Yeah. And I, I love that night. Back to the question with you. I mean, there are moments that you can look back on in your creative career your professional career you're like wow what are some of those for you um i think that it's kind of like what we were talking about before about really um 
appreciating getting to work with some of the other musicians that I was a fan of. Yeah. Um, that's what really blows me away still. I'm just like, even, I mean, I just on Warp Tour last, I think it was last summer, I, uh, Mike from MXPX, again, MXPX, um, asked me if I would come and sing backups for him, uh, sing harmonies for him, like just kind of randomly out of the blue. That was after I had recorded that um, that song for them on the um, the covers comp. And what was the song? Uh, that song was "Heaven Is a Place on Earth." Oh, okay, oh, great. They just I, and I didn't really <clears throat> I had met them on Warp Tour, but it wasn't like we were best friends or anything. <clears throat> so I was surprised then that they asked me to do the that cover, and then when he asked me to do the acoustic stuff again, I was just like, and I mean I I wasn't acting all crazy or anything but uh you know i'd be up there singing just she did ask <laughs> if he could take a picture <laughs> i uh i was just there thinking my how how excited my 16 year old self would be you know and um moments like that also touring with the bouncing souls because they were one of my all-time favorites They're and they still band. are Absolutely. they still are and they really lived up to their awesomeness they were like the best band to tour with ever do you remember getting the news that you were going to tour with bouncing souls like, do you remember uh, yeah, what that felt I d- like? I, I do, but I, I've i gotten, um, being in a band with agents and managers, I've gotten burnt so many times on so many, like, exciting prospects that every time there's any sort of exciting thing, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I will believe that when it when actually it. happens. When I get there and they're playing and we're playing, then I'll be excited. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I guess... <laughs> I, but my question still applies. It's like, so you, you probably had that filter yeah. up and oh, then yeah. it actually happened and it's yeah. like, wow. Oh know? yeah. I was so excited. And I got to sing with them too. Cause they have a song that has a girl singer. It's like a duet type song. So, um, after, you know, we got to know them well and I must've let it, you know, slip that I was a, actually a fan, um, and said, Hey, you know, if you ever want to do that one song, I can totally, I know all the words. <laughs> So you got to do that on the tour? Yeah. Oh, what yeah. a treat that must have yeah, been. Yeah, huh? it was so awesome. That's and so And at the great. end of the tour, I totally cried. I was so sad. <laughs> That's really... You know, uh, I, I do need to point out here, when she asked if she could sing the song with him, he did ask, yes, you know the words, but do you know what it means? <laughs> do you know the meaning behind <laughs> these lyrics? Obviously, you got the answer right. Did they play... See, I don't know their popularity. Did they play Big Rooms, The Bouncing Souls? Yeah, it was... I mean, it was... Uh, Let's see. We did a full U.S. with them, and then we did Europe with them. And they were bigger here in the U.S. But, yeah, I would think, I mean, it would be like Phoenix size places sold out. That's great. Like two nights at Slim sold out. Yeah, that type of thing. And I think we lost them. I can't remember. We lost them to some other club. I was actively trying to bring them in in the early 2000s, I think. And and, uh, and, uh, we did lose them, and it was a heartbreaker to me. Did we? I keep on think, thinking that I lost him to the cabaret or something like that. I can't remember what club we lost him to, but yeah, I was heartbroken because I wanted that band an awful lot. They're a great band. Was it the Cocodry? It probably was. Yeah, I bet it was, wasn't it? I don't know. I saw we them play it around that time. lost to a San Francisco gig, yeah. Yeah, that was probably it. So, Tom, as you would watch Tsunami Bomb continue to play, and you know, obviously they, they rose and then they yeah. were no longer a band, but I mean, could you, could you get the sense early on that this was a band that was going to go places? Yeah, it sure felt good. Yeah. It, was, it was fun watching. There's no doubt about it. 
it uh, at the same time I knew the stress you guys were going through. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys, they picked you up, they took you on the road, and I think you were on the road for what three years straight without coming home. Yeah, it was pretty. Cr- well, we came home, but just for, a for week? less. It, yeah, yeah, it was more. We were on the road more than absolutely. You sure. guys became the consummate road band. Yeah, and that had to be getting kind of stressful. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was before, or maybe it wasn't. How big was Warp Tour at that time? It was big. It, it was, was big at that time. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you were a band that would hit the Warp Tour circuit mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. We did it. We we did it one year, all the way through. And, and what does that mean? Like forty dates? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's about seven weeks, I think. So those are the biggest in terms of numbers of people there. The Warp Tour shows are probably the biggest shows that you played. Probably. Um, yeah, probably. I think it was probably L.A. Warp Tour, the yeah. biggest show. You remember where that was in L.A.? Um, some parking lot. Some parking lot, yeah. <laughs> Staples, some big parking lot. Staples Center yeah. parking lot, probably. Yeah. <laughs> the most prestigious event. Yes. <laughs> the parking lot of you, the You Staples could skate Center. it. <laughs> you could skate it. Do you, have you ever skateboarded before? I attempted to skateboard when I wanted to be punk rock when I was in high school, but I really sucked at it, so I stopped. Yeah, and then Elliot started, and then despite it all, you're still punk rock. <laughs> Just goes to show you don't need a skateboard to be punk rock. Okay, so you toured for three years. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. And then the ba- how long were you in the band for? Um, let's see. I joined in '99, and we broke up in 2005. 2005. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, six years. Yeah. So you were in that band for six years. How long was it like your job, where it's like the band you made enough, where it's like, yeah. okay, this is what we're doing. Um. Well. It never was that we made enough money. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Isn't that <laughs> yeah. interesting? Seriously. Yeah. Well, they we, kept them on the road long enough that they didn't realize, well, actually, we're not paying rent because right. we don't have to, I guess. Right. There was, a, there was probably a period of maybe maybe three years where, where we didn't have to. Those of us who were lucky enough to have you know, parents or a friend who would let us stay with them when we were off tour, just we didn't have to pay rent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say about three years we were just doing that. I mean, and some of the guys had had different jobs too. It depended on who had to pay rent because yeah. some some of us just had good situations where we didn't have to pay rent. Yeah, that's really really interesting. Yeah, um, and also you know it, it ends up it ended up being um, a, a problem because it just was never really enough. Like with all the touring and all of the stuff that we did, it was never enough money to support that many people is that interesting to you tom to hear that a band like tsunami bomb you know didn't make enough because of the way these things work for musicians i mean musicians really do get sort of the raw end sometimes on they do <laughs> i've seen no i've seen some of the greatest bands in the world come through and and, uh, and they were never going to be able to make it because there's not enough money for them to stay on the road forever um it's you know it's got to be such a gas and it is a gas to to play in front of a crowd especially when you've got people down in front singing along with you and, and uh, being on the road and all of that. But the money still, uh, today, well, it's even worse now than I think it was when you were with Tsunami Bomb. The money is not there for the players. I don't know where the money goes. Yeah. But um, there's so many great bands that come through. It was uh, The one that made it was Green Day, of course. And they got so much garbage from their fans for signing that contract, but it's the same thing. How can you continue to make good music and sleep on people's living room floors when you're on the road? Because an awful lot of bands did that. 
and you can't. If if you're going to make it as a band, you have to you have to get paid for it somehow. And there's so many great musicians that just do not. And you guys were the epitome of that. I think you were a great band, but I don't think any of the money funneled into you guys, or did it? We got some of it. I mean, uh, there was a point uh, at our highest point. We were getting. We were each getting paid two hundred dollars. Um, two hundred dollars a week. That's a week. that is yeah. nuts, huh? Right. So, I mean, and, and I mean, you were getting paid two hundred dollars a week, and that was when you were when headlining we were, some shows, yeah. right? I mean, you yeah. would ha- you. What what would you say like the highest point of the band's um, popularity was? Like you, what would what was the most uh, populous place you played in San Francisco? Say. In you, San Francisco? You play, would you play a Slims or a Great um, American? Let's see. I'm trying to remember our last headlining show there. I've never played Great American. Fillmore? Um, probably, I think probably Slims. Okay. Though we played bigger. It's interesting because I think maybe almost because of being in Petaluma and being, you know, getting our start here, we never were like really that big in San Francisco. Yeah. We Our biggest show was probably in... Um, when we headlined at the Metro in Chicago. Okay. That, oh, cool. That, it, we, so, I think it was sold out, or nearly sold out, and that was like a 1,000 capacity. Wow, and yeah. what a thrill that must have yeah. been. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's exciting for me just to hear. That. Yeah. You know, going <laughs> somewhere, there's probably kids in the front row singing your yeah. lyrics to you. Great town like Chicago. Some people don't think yeah. that. I think it's a great town. Oh, it's a um, great town. You know, what a thrill that is. But yet even at that point, $200. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so if you're headlining that show, and let's say it was a $15 ticket, say. I mean, mm-hmm. you've already done this math, I'm sure. And you, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, 15000 bucks in the no, house. No, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yes. let's say, and then you, usually you're probably going to get like 50% of that the band gets paid about. I don't know whatever what the math is. Yeah, th- Not you personally, but yeah. like. You know, you probably got five thousand plus. The band probably got. I don't bad. think so. Really, I no. think our guarantees were 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 fairly low. Like when I look back at it now, wow. I think our guarantees were like for our headlining tour were maybe fifteen hundred. Wow. Or so. Yeah, and that's if probably we, right. If we sold it out, it was we would get back end. Back end. Okay. But you know, um, but yeah, a thousand or fifteen hundred. Even on your headlining. Well, there must yeah. have. I mean, who knows what that Chicago deal was? But like. Yeah. That's a lot. Uh, there was a lot of money in that show, yeah. you know? Was there a bus? No. Oh, thank God. That's, no. I mean, believe <laughs> yeah. it or not, I wish you could have been in a bus, but that's yeah. That would have been where all the money went. Bucks. Yeah, that is where the <laughs> yeah. money goes. But I mean, to, to the earlier point, um, boy, that's frustrating. Yeah. Because somebody, yeah. Was, somebody was getting money, and the band was not getting as much. Exactly. And yeah. that's really rough, because you guys are the ones playing right. and writing the music. <laughs> right. Well, you're the ones that the, that the thousand people are there to see. It, right. It's, yeah, and, and it's, still, it's still like that. And I think it's worse, because now they can't even make money selling CDs, because everything's being stolen online. Right. And that's, it's, a really, it's rough times. Oh, it's rough times. <laughs> it really is. So, I mean, before we get to the ultimate demise of that band, um, <laughs> anything else stand out from just like that period? I mean, that's obviously the period from where most people know you yeah. and, and all of that. I mean, aside from the negatives, which there are things to talk about, about how musicians get screwed. And yeah. I'm sure there was inner band conflict and whatever. But I mean, any other special moments that just stand out to you like, wow, that was I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I experienced that. Um. I definitely am happy that I experienced Warp Tour during its punk rock era, um, or before before its punk rock era kind of ended. I think 
um, because there's nothing else like it. Nothing. It's it's so crazy. It's the I mean, pit. especially when we did the full the whole summer doing it. Um, we had a bus because it was like no human way that we could possibly do it without being in a bus mm-hmm. um, because the routing would be like San Diego, Portland, San Francisco, Utah, yeah. <laughs> all in a row. Yeah. Um, but it was so much fun, you know, just being there with um, hundreds of other bands and getting to watch other bands all day and just making yeah. a schedule and like meeting so many cool people and going all over the country with these same people and you know the crews and the catering crew and just like it was just like a giant summer camp on the road it's like a big party yeah it was so much fun and i mean there's 40 bands on a warp tour right or is it less than uh, that? no it's more than that it's more than that yeah okay yeah. yeah, old man um, Aegis here doesn't know much about how many bands <laughs> are on a Warp Tour, <laughs> but I so Warp Tour now it's not as punk rock; it's more like core, right? Uh, it's more. I don't know. I mean, when I went last year, when I did those those uh, acoustic songs, um, it was very different. It's just, um, you know, it's just really different now. Like yeah. the the whole look of it, the style of it, the music. Um, I think it towards the end of Tsunami Bomb, like it was starting because we did Warp Tour 2005 also, and uh, and it was already like going this really screamo route. Yeah, yeah. screamo. And uh, and that was really changing the whole thing. Do you that understand that pit. music? No, I never have. I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I understand why why people like it, but I, I'm not I'm not a fan. What about you, Mr. Gaffney? Uh, you know, uh, again, I'm so bad with names. There was a period where we were seeing screamo bands uh, that Josh Staples was bringing in, and there were a couple of them from uh, up out of Washington that I really did enjoy quite a bit. Um, and what's true is, uh, it it always it's the three show rule. Uh, every time there's a new genre out, it takes me about three shows before my ears finally start to be able to pick out what's going on on the stage and core uh, there are some great core bands out there and um it it took some of the matt uh sanger Vossi shows he was bringing in those christian screamo bands and the christian core bands and, and some of those bands were incredible american nightmare i thought was a great band and, and uh there were some others that i really enjoyed but it took me a few shows to get my ear um it was, uh, you know, when I, when we decided I was going to be doing rock and roll at the Phoenix, my friend Ken Frankel, who was also uh, kind of my partner here at the Phoenix in those days, uh, brought me over to the cabaret because he owned the cabaret to help manage. And it took me a few, uh, a few punk shows before I could really hear, what the hell is going on on this stage? What, what is this? <laughs> and, but I was in love with the pits right from the beginning. Holy cow. The energy is incredible. And you lose that a little bit in the screamo thing, in in core. But the core dance is quite fascinating to watch in its own right. There's an energy there. (laughs) uh, You know, I dig it. It's kind of cool. And then the end of Tsunami Bomb, would you say ultimately the corporate overlords are what killed it? It, For the most part, yeah. Yeah. It was was, um, a combination of lots of things happening all at once everything everything was happening bad (laughs) all at once like we we were having some you know inner 
inner band struggle as well as um, not much support from our management. And we had a new booking agent who was not really doing what we wanted. And our label was there was it was just a mess. Like the label situation was really terrible. So it was like there was nothing to stand on. Yeah. You know? And you guys were in a so. van on the road for three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. yeah. What, what was your um, I mean, I'm sure everybody did their best uh but what was what was your did you have a national booking agency yes yeah. uh, well at first for most of our career we didn't okay um, but you did get one who were we you did guys get with? one we were with uh dan garcia oh yeah yeah you like booked the ataris and yeah yeah and actually he was a nice guy he was, he, he was pretty yeah. easy to work with yeah. yeah he was great i mean we yeah. you know we n- nobody's perfect or anything we had yeah. you know some little things with him but he was <laughs> he was really great and um he quit the business so yeah. we had to get a new booking agent and you jumped to who we were with ron opaleski at um william morris i yeah, still morris. deal with him yeah yeah i mean there's a newer guy who does most of it but that's yeah. really funny that these people are lifers in this industry. oh yeah, you yeah. Bet. <laughs> uh, well they're getting i mean they're grabbing 10 percent off the top of everything there aren't they yeah yeah. yeah. Well, there, <laughs> yeah. there, there you go. You were wondering where all yeah. your money went. There's, <laughs> yeah, 10% of it there's 10% right there. <laughs> you know I, you know what's funny, though? I feel like people have no idea how big a role the booking agent plays. Yeah. Everybody, oh, al- yeah. everybody always just says, oh, the manager, the manager, the manager. The booking right. agent is so huge. It's true. It's true. I, I think that, you know, right now as Survival Guide, I don't have a manager or a booking agent. And I feel like a booking agent is really the first thing that that would be yeah. helpful, you know? I mean, the booking agent can make your life heaven or hell. You know, yeah. they, they book <laughs> yeah. you in a room that's way too big, that just ruins the night, you know? Oh, what yeah, I mean? exactly. And that's kind of what was happening with us. We, you know, our new booking agent um, was booking us. We had ju- we did our we did our big headlining tour with Dan Garcia, and it yeah. and it went pretty well overall. And, uh, and then we switched to our new agent, and he was booking us at all different clubs. Like, uh-huh. you know, we, we sold out the Metro, and then when we played there, the first show he booked was at some random club, and it was, like, only half full, so it was just really yeah. depressing, you know? Yeah. It was like, wow, this is Well, actually, you different. know what, uh, Dan did understand. I mean, because he was handling, he had a whole stable of, of bands that were quite like you guys. Yeah. I forgot about the Ataris until you mentioned them, and they were an awful lot of fun. I mean, that's the problem with any industry is, you know, Dan Garcia obviously knew the band and yeah. then the next guy tried maybe a one size fits all approach. Yeah. And I mean, that goes with, that's why people tend to not like the big corporate sort of, we have a thing in every town and this is the way we do it because right. life is not like that. But that's interesting. Um, it is funny to hear you say that playing a half full room really bummed you out yeah. <laughs> because I don't, that's another thing I think people don't realize in the crowd is that it is a bummer. You can't show yeah. it. You can't show it to the audience because that's your, your job is to bring the party. Right. But I mean, as somebody who's on the other side of it, who, who puts on shows, boy, is it a bummer when, yeah. the, when it's half full. Well, <laughs> it, to me, it's, it only is if you like in that situation, it was especially because we had sold out another club that was even bigger. Yeah. So it was kind of like, wow. Um, why are the people that were here last time not here now? Um, now, I mean, it, it, if the band is on its way up, then I really don't mind playing a, a room that's half full. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah but what else can you do? But if coming, yeah. yeah, but if it's yeah. if you've already done better and then you're and then it's less, then it's like 
really depressing. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's where I, where I, my experience is. Like, you know, we we book bands and. You know, it's like for, I'm talking here at the Phoenix, and it, you know, you do the research. You're like, okay, they did this much here, they did as much here, and if we can make it work, let's make it work. And you know, it's just basically like gambling yeah. without the slot well, machines. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how you guys do yeah. it in, in this market. It's tough without a bar. <laughs> you know, but, oh, yeah. but but I mean, it's it's really just dressed up gambling. And when it goes well, it's a great high, and when it goes not well, it's like. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you know, for me, where I've come now is it's like, I don't even really care. Like, of course, we want the shows to make money and all that. But like, as long as it like looks like it was a success, that's kind of like all that <laughs> yeah. matters. You know what I that's mean? That's true. Uh, yeah, you don't want to lose a bunch of money. And that's a bummer when you do. But it's like having an event where it's like a quarter full when you thought it was going to be a sellout. Uh, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's all about what your expectation going into right. it was and what it turned out to be. Yeah. So anyway, Tsunami Bomb ended, and that was probably a bummer uh, yeah. <laughs> on a lot of levels. But it was probably a bummer while you were in it. Uh, towards yeah, the end. it was. It just kind of had to happen that way. What did you do after that? Um, after that, well, I kind of had already thought about doing another band with Matt, our bass player. Um, so we just kind of we we did take some time off. We took like a few months off Finally. before uh, yeah, before starting to write and record stuff again. Do you feel um, like that was sort of like a, ugh, it's just so, like there was a lot of some, you know, some scarring. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was just so exhausting. And the, the end of it was, was just kind of nightmarish too because there was some legal stuff that we were trying to get sorted out, but our manager was not calling us and it was so stressful. So, um, So yeah, we just kind of, you know, hung out for a while. And also I was, you know, up to that point, um, I still didn't, um, I wasn't working a regular job, but when we announced that we were breaking up, it was my job to ma- send out merch. Like people were doing mail order merch like crazy. Oh, great. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. It was like, I would, I would, I knew all the people at the post office and I would ah. carry in like garbage bags full of orders. <laughs> That's so cool. So, yeah. And you had the Petaluma post office? <laughs> no, it was, I was living in San Diego. Really? Was, yeah. I was there for only six months after, after I had nowhere to live, you know, um, when the band was breaking up, um, I moved in with my sister in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, actually, uh, isn't it true that a lot of the money you guys make on the road is through merch? It is true. And that's yeah, yeah. one of the most important parts of, you know, it's, this is what my problem with the music industry is. It almost feels like the music is not the reason we're here. <laughs> it's to sell merch and to sell drinks if, you, if you're in a bar. And uh, I think the, the the business end of it forgets what the music is it, about. It took you thirty years to realize that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was nightmarish though, because the you were mailing merch, and then did, did was there a well, huge, that, was there a huge uptick? That was keeping you oh, yeah. alive though. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, thank God. It was. Yeah. Cool. It it wasn't nightmarish. It was actually really fun. I like doing the yeah. order. <laughs> At the end though, you yeah. said it was a bummer because oh, you hadn't had the real a, a normal yeah, job. Um, no, it wasn't that. It was the. Um, the that's the the actual um all the conflict happening with the business side of the band was so stressful that we we took that's why we took some time off you know like a few months before we started anything new but i what i was saying is that during those months i was so busy um 
doing mail order. So <laughs> that was kind Fantastic. of Fantastic. Yeah, I did that. It all was the paying time. the bills. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Maybe yeah. you made more money during that time yeah. with the merchandise <laughs> yes. than you did yeah, playing I was like, in the man, actual I band. Announce this way way sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Had I known, listen, I'm going to start a band in January every year. I'm going to break <laughs> it up in July, and then I really only got to work for the last half of the year. That'll be great. <laughs> so then, was the next band the Action Design? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, what year was that? That was. Let's see. So now I'm broke up 2005. So we started probably 2006, okay. I'd say. And then that band is no longer active now? No. Yeah, no. we haven't done That was a slick a band, though. I liked your look. It was a, a good sound, and yeah, it was kind of cool. I like that band, too. It, yeah. It's really um, a bummer because those guys, I feel like, were the most solid group of musicians <laughs> yes. that I've players. ever played with. All of them had such great um, they talent. They did. They felt seasoned, actually. Yeah. You guys felt like a seasoned band. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I guess because we all were in different bands. Yeah. You know, we all had our own um, lots of background. And uh, it just didn't, it just didn't work out. It was a weird time <laughs> in rock and roll. I mean, it's like I say, it's got to be tough to be in a band right right now in particular, yeah. I think. it's. What, what were some... Uh, some Obviously, the the highs of action design were not the highs of Tsunami Bomb, but right. I'm sure there were some moments. Oh yeah. Um, what are some moments? Well, our our last tour that we ever did was with Social Distortion. Oh come on. Yeah. <laughs> what year was that? It was, um, I think it was 2009. Yeah. What a thrill! I think maybe ten. Maybe yeah, it was probably 2009. A- maybe ten. I don't know. Was it a small tour, or longer tour, or? Um, it was. I think it was two weeks maybe three weeks and it was um yeah and it was not it wasn't like the prime social distortion tour because it was they were doing like a like a u.s b market store um but it was still huge and i think that the show one show that we played um at hampton beach in new hampshire was um the biggest non-Warp Tour show that I've ever played. Okay. And uh, we realized that afterwards. We were talking about it like, that show was huge. It was like 4,000 people, I think. Boy. It must be, I mean, I've never opened up for a band like Social Distortion. <laughs> Maybe I will someday. But, um, yeah, you, you know, it's a tough thing to capture the audience. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you've probably had it both ways. I'm sure you've had nights where it's like, wow, we're really getting to pay attention. Yeah. And then you've had nights where it's like, ugh, yeah. when is this going to get over with? <laughs> yeah. what, do you remember that night? In Yeah. I mean, we were, at least I was really surprised with the response from their fans. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because we were not, uh, you know, just, I mean, we had some punk roots in our music, but we were not really a punk band. Yeah. And social d like is that's yeah, that's what they are you yeah know? <laughs> that is what they are yeah uh so i was more like well this will be awesome but i don't know really know whether their fans are gonna like us or not but they really responded really well that's really cool yeah and then would mike ness come hang out with you or was he sort of hands-off when it came to- um he was not he was really nice and friendly but he was not around a lot uh-huh. he i think he was on the bus a lot or you know in their backstage so that's cool. And then uh, other action design, they play, play did, did you guys tour much? Did you do many headlining tours yourselves? Uh, no. Well, we did, we did, um, a few U S tours. 
Um, but nothing really like that. We were, we were getting, you know, we were going up at the end when we broke up or when we, I guess we didn't ever technically break up because we all really like each other still. Um, but, uh, you're so, going to have to break up, though, if you want to <laughs> do the reunion tour. Yeah. So. Exactly. Maybe you announce here that you've broken up. Yeah. And then maybe in like two years at one of these Phoenix Nostalgia Fests, the big get back together, you know, <laughs> but you can't have the big reunion until you've broken right. up. Right. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. And maybe if I announced that we were broken up, I would sell a bunch of merch. Oh, God. Yeah. You're going to want to sell the merch. Sell the merch. You know, that's the deal. It might be time for a new instrument or something, yeah. you know. Um, well, that that's cool. I mean, Action Design, did they ever play shows outside of uh, the United States? Um, we played, I'm trying to think, I think we played Canada. Canada doesn't count as anything. <laughs> <laughs> then no. No. <laughs> yeah, so you, that was a band for about four years, then you'd say. Yeah, four something like that. Years, yeah, maybe. probably less, probably four years. Have the other guys in that band gone on to be in other bands? You said they're all great players. They yeah, are. um... Let's see. Jake, our drummer, is currently in Identical Homes, which is um, he's been in a bunch of different bands too. But he's he plays a lot with uh, with um, Daniel McKenzie, who was in Rum Diary. If oh, you remember, yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. That yeah. was a great band. Yeah, so they're absolutely they're like a team. Yeah, that's a good team. That's so, a that's a yeah. powerful team. Yeah, so they've been doing a couple different. Um, projects since then I, i'm trying to remember what the other one was shut eye unison they did shut eye unison and now they're doing it's called identical homes they're and then, they're very good at naming bands yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then matt our bass player um he uh, he might be doing a like a metal grindcore i don't know <laughs> i don't know what he's doing but he he um has a kid as does Jason, my uh, current guitar player. He has a kid also, so they're kind of, you know, fading, yeah. fading to the background. Tsunami Bomb. Uh, are they people in that band? Are they still doing things musically? Um, Did I hear that Gabe was playing again? He plays with Nothington sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's right, the Nothing. Of course, I love those guys. Yeah, yep, um, he, he plays yep. with them sometimes, and Jay was in the band also, who's in Nothington. Um, yeah, that's true. There are so many, so many tsunami bomb oh, members. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we can skip some of them. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's skip. Let's skip maybe okay. maybe one or two. Okay. Uh, <laughs> whatever you want to do, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then of course g- generic asphalt. Uh, those ladies <laughs> yeah. was that was that an all female band? Did you say no? No. no. Okay. I've, I've, I've they went on to actually the be girl. the Beatles. I think. <laughs> What what are they doing now? Do you do you keep in contact with them at all? Um, let's see. Well, our original bass player before he left and I started playing bass, he's my best friend's brother. Look at that. So yeah, I do see him occasionally. Um, he's not doing music anymore. Um, our drummer, I I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, he is like one of those. People are any of them still in Los Banos? Are, are the drummer might be. The drummer might be. Yeah, he might be. And yeah. you know that the people of Plinky are just waiting by the phone <laughs> yes. for the reunion tour. So well, maybe they, maybe yeah. someday we'll do they that. They had the name. Let's face it. Yeah. Plinky was the name to go with. So then, you know, life things happen, I'm sure. Throughout all these things, all sorts of life things happen. Um, did your marriage happen before Survival Guide? Um, 
It was, let's see, I got married in 2011. I'm trying to remember. It's it. Some of these memories just blend because yeah. I had, um, I I had carryover band members for every single band. Yeah. Um, it's even from Generic Asphalt. Really? So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So every band that I have been in had one at least one member from the previous band. So I'm I'm trying to think. I think, um, Survival Guide was already going during that. Yeah, definitely, definitely going during that time. Which is the current time, which is Survival which is Guide, now. which is right now. <laughs> Did you know that she was married in the lodge of the Regency Ballroom? Wow. No, I did yeah. far out. Now, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And how did you score with, did, did David Lefkowitz help you with that? No. Uh, my husband works at the Regency and I Warfield. Knew that. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, he's the yep. operations manager there. I had a great discussion with him about the Warfield one night. Yeah. Actually, yep, that's right. So tell us about Survival Guide. Uh, well, it's um, just me. <laughs> so it's electronic based. I've got um, drum a drum track that I play and then I play the keyboards and sing along to it. Um, and it started as a two-piece. I'm kind of like transitioning out of being a two-piece right now, which is, it's strange, but it's working yeah, but fine. As, you know, we're seeing more and more of that, though. Uh, there's yeah. so much you can do now with, uh, with instruments, with electronic that, that is... Uh, <laughs> My gosh, and you had a great show here. That was yeah. a great yeah, set. Yeah, that was really fun. It really was. And yeah, you were a full band. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> that's incredible. I don't know where that's going to take the industry, where that's going to take music, but it, it's it got to be, does it feel a lot more free when you've got all of that control? It does. Yeah. It does. I mean, it's, it's really strange for me in a way too, though, because I've never, I've always, you know, been in front of a band. Yeah. And now... It's just me with my electronics. Does it feel scarier? It does. It does. It yeah. definitely does. I'm getting more used to it now, but um, it was really terrifying at first, but and especially is, by myself after I didn't have a guitar player. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you've got a full sound. Uh, yeah. You absolutely had it. We're, we're holding it all down. You don't have to worry about what the drummer's doing anymore. That is true. That is very true. That's a, that's a freedom. I yeah. know exactly what's going to happen because I'm yeah. doing it all myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I was blown away. I, I wasn't expecting to see you by yourself. Yeah. And, and, wow. Damn. And, yeah. So, and you know what's great, too, is a lot of people, like you said, are doing that, and people are touring in large venues doing yeah. that. And that, that's really cool. Yeah. Doing well. And, and the wonderful thing is, you know, you get some traction, it starts going really well, then we can add band members later. Exactly, you know that's what I my mean? thought too. Until we get to that point, let's <laughs> yeah. tour cheaply. Yeah, you know, easily, all... efficiently. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, from the standpoint of the house, it means you really only have to get the small deli platter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen some of these writers these bands do, though. You know, two people in the band, we need, you know, 12 deli platters and 50, 50 white towels. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Not that anybody's ridiculous. I love everybody. No. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and the tele- you have a telephone on stage with you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yes. for, that's a great thing. Yeah. That's a very unique thing. Uh, how did that happen? That was uh, Jason's idea, the guitar player, um, who I'm still riding with. Um, he got the idea of just turning a telephone into a microphone um, to use the telephone effect, you know, because you can do that on any recording program just throw a telephone effect on it 
but um, you could do it live if you just solder up a telephone in the right way. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he knows how to do that. Yeah, it so. takes that one guy that can do yeah. that stuff. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, what I noticed, uh, and uh, when she played here, uh, what it allows you the freedom to do also is actually just towards the end of your set, you can call and order a pizza and have it ready for when you. <laughs> Which is great because it saves you some time and trouble. It really does. <laughs> um, I don't really like it when people ask me questions like this, so you don't have to answer it. <laughs> okay. But um, where would you like Survival Guide to go? Um, I feel the same about Survival Guide as I have with with every band since Tsunami Bomb. That um, I well, no, really every band I've been in, I just want to go as far as I can with it and just see where it will go. Isn't that the greatest um, feeling? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you just like to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately that is kind of, it, it can be a problem with multiple band members because I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's just, let's just see what happens here. Where other people are maybe like, well, I'm looking into the future and I'm trying to, you know, save for my retirement and it's not working out. But you know what? You outlast those people. <laughs> that is true. And you, and you love doing it. So you get to keep doing it. Yeah. People get so single-minded on things. It's like, well, if we're not in two years doing this and doing that, then I'm not sure I want to sign up for this. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen well, multiple <laughs> contemporaries, yeah. multiple generations go through that, Tom. You have to remember the Phoenix Theater is just a one-year project for me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's a lot of joy in doing. Yeah. Even if it doesn't mean you're doing it in front of a thousand people, you know? Right. I mean, you know, sure you want people to see your stuff. Sure you want to keep taking it as high as you can take it. But I think there's a lot of value in not setting yourself up for a disappointment. You know what I mean? Yeah. If 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 50 people hear this and they're really into it, that's great. Yeah. If 5,000 people hear it, well, that's all the much better. Yeah. You know? But I've, I've definitely thought about it a lot since, um, you know, having the success that Tsunami Bomb had and still wanting to continue. And then even... You know, in the spot I am now, it's interesting because Tsunami Bomb was the successful band, which, which, as we talked about earlier, you know, wasn't really monetarily successful. Um, and then Action Design, we were getting there. You know, we were on a on a positive path. Getting you had a great energy. I really liked the energy behind that band. Yeah, that, that was, was a, a cool really band. fun yeah. fun band. I really loved it. And um, but as far as like the success level, it was a lot lower than Tsunami Bomb, but it was going up. It was getting better. Yeah. Um, Survival Guide is like starting over again, you know. But I've I've been through it multiple times now to where I'm just like I I just know that I I want to do it. You know, I just it's just it's it's I guess I've been doing it too long now. Yeah. It's just a part of me to be singing and performing and writing and i just yeah. don't i don't know you're a professional i don't yeah <laughs> I, I think that's <laughs> whether a, i'm making any money or not yeah. <laughs> i think that's a lesson for people whether they're artistically inclined or not i mean you just if as long as you stick it out and keep pushing forward cool things happen I mean, yeah last year you said you performed with mxpx or you yeah. did something yeah. with them right yeah was that a, a warped tour or it was um yeah it was that warped tour was it, it was was it one date or was it multiple it was just one it was, it was just one. san francisco but i mean what a treat it was you know yeah and if you if you'd closed up shop and you were whatever doing something else that wouldn't have happened. Right. I don't know. I, I'm sure you can feel this way. You've probably had some 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 lows oh. and some <laughs> discouraged feelings <laughs> and stuff. Discouraged at that lows at the Phoenix. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, there may have been one or two. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can but think no, of but a I mean, you, you stick it out, and then you get to do and be a part of cool things, you know. Yeah. And so I think it's a good lesson. Oh for yeah, you. I really do. Yeah. So. No, it's you know, music and art. It's true uh, on all ends of it. Because uh, here at the Phoenix, we have bled for the art, and uh, we've we've hurt and cried for the art, and and so there are extremely low moments. But boy, the highs are just oh, incredible. It's you can't get any higher. That's what I tell. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to tell kids. You can't get. You can't find a drug in the world that can get you as high as as a full house that is digging what you're doing. There is nothing like that that I've ever experienced. Anyway, I guess there are there are a lot of performers that have succumbed to drugs, and it's it's actually killed them. But uh, still, for me, the greatest high is when you've got a house, a full house, and it's jumping. Um, it's a line from uh, Our House, that song Our House, feeling house proud. I get that. <laughs> you know, and, and I think but musicians and, and uh, performers get that too. Feeling house proud. Oh, what a high. You know, watching when you've got yeah. people standing in front of you, singing your songs with you. Definitely. Oh, it's, yeah. it's really... Um it's hard to explain how amazing it is because there's just, I mean, it sounds kind of hippy dippy, but it's really oh, like a crazy energy when everyone is present and everyone is really into it. Oh, you know, yeah. It's just, it's, there's nothing like it. Yep. And, and in some ways the, the, the things in between that are just sort of stepping stones to, you know what I mean? Everything in between it that may not be so great, in my opinion, is worth it because of those big moments where yeah. you're just like, this is why I'm doing what I'm yeah. doing. And that's a life well lived. Yeah. You yeah. like what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you do too, Tom. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the guy that can be happy sweeping for crying out loud. Yeah, so yeah, I'm having a good time. Cool. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I don't, I can't think of a more uplifting note than <laughs> than that to maybe segue into some music. You were going to play sure. us a few songs. Yeah, let's do that. We'll uh, we will unmike and we will be right back. And Emily will play us some survival guide songs. Okay, cool. <laughs> we're all set up, everybody. So here she goes. Okay.
Thank you. And that was Nowhere Anywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good guess. By Survival Guy. <laughs> Let's see. Which button to push? You breeze right past it with every turn. Straight through your heart. 
that's not shrouded in steel I wish I could feel you breathing I was And that last song, what was that called? That is called Shrouded in Steel. Are these all on the same album or? Um, let's see. Nowhere Anywhere uh, is not released yet. That's going to be on our uh, full length. 
Um, You've really become quite the torch singer. <laughs> Thank was, you. Uh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. That that shrouded in steel is one of my favorites because it's just yeah. so. It's like I really have to give it my all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. You do, <laughs> and it cuts really deep. Yeah. Way cool. <laughs> I I loved that song. Thank I hope you. That, I hope that you do a studio version of it. And put yeah. That one. That one is released, but we also. That one's on a um, a seven inch. Okay. Um, so, but we are gonna put that on the album as well. Okay. So, Here's the yeah. deal: when you say we, who is who is we <laughs> in, this, in this? I thing? know. I I need to adjust uh, my pronouns because okay. I've I've yeah. written you know the, all these songs with Jason, my guitar player, but Excellent. he's not. I'm I'm still kind of figuring that out. You know how to. Yeah. Uh, Work to, the rest of the band in. How to talk about the band, because it's yeah. really just me at this point, except for the writing. But, uh, wow. yeah. So you're laying all the tracks yourself on the on the keys? Uh, you mean when I play live? Yeah. Uh, um, well, everything we're hearing here. Uh, so you're going live, and you've got, you're bringing uh, this with you. Mm-hmm. And so you're, because I'm seeing a lot of this now. And you, and so you're, uh, you're starting the backtracks. Mm-hmm. And then you're on top of it, and then you're laying on top of those back tracks, and also sometimes you're pulling tracks on top of of tracks. Yeah, well, with, on top. well, with um, with shrouded and steel is a good example of where I have the um, I'm using the little MIDI controller pad to play those guitar parts in the beginning. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I'm starting a backing track, and it's got whatever I need that I can't do with two hands. Right. <laughs> Um, and then I just do everything else that I can yeah that's so you've released a lot of music on vinyl correct with uh, survival guide we have we have two we have two seven inches yeah and then how many like CDs have you put out? None. Okay, so exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. You've released two seven inches yeah, and then two seven inches. digitally. Yeah, we did a digital we did a digital single. We we have we have seven songs out right now. Two of them are only um Oh, that's what I was going to say. A moment, the second one I did, that is a bonus track on one of the seven inches that you can only get if you have seven inch. It's a digital only. And you can only like play download. if you have a turntable. So if you're not that groovy, then yeah. you may be missing out. <laughs> well, the turntable's a bonus, uh, but they all come with digital versions. So you, oh, wait, you really that's what can. people are doing nowadays, Tom. See that you buy the vinyl, and then it comes with a, a little coupon code thing, and you go online, and then you get the album digitally. Oh, and you download it. So then it downloads onto your iPod or whatever. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people are doing. It's the best of both worlds, exactly. I think. Holy cow. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That's kind of cool. So you And you do have the vinyl. Yeah. But which we, is forever. Yeah. <laughs> but we're still kind of waiting for that like middle generation to die off because it's like, you know, the younger people want the vinyls, you know yeah. what I mean? But then when you don't release a CD like the the 40 to I don't know, however many crowds. That's true. Yeah. They it's like, well, I don't have a record player. I yeah. want a CD. Yeah. But you know, And I don't do digital. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's wow. it's tough because it's like if it were, if it was all people your age, my age, whatever, yeah. you wouldn't even make CDs because yeah. the, the 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 apples don't even come with CD players. I know. I, I think though for right. the next for the album we are going to do a, a CD, at least a limited number of them. Oh, the people want it. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Anyway, I, I this was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah, thanks oh, for boy. having me. It was really great. It was yeah, really, it was really a treat. Um, so yeah, put put the CD out and <laughs> then come play the Phoenix again. Okay. And, and for those of you that are just listening to this on whatever cast you're listening to, I got to tell you, uh, all of the ghosts were out to hear her sing. They just, we were surrounded <laughs> by this weird energy while she was singing, whatever that was. So there you have it. She is just a showstopper here at the Phoenix Theater for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, she is. How else yep. can he end it but that? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Emily Whitehurst, she's delightful. Clap, yeah, clap, 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 clap. And we will see her out. Yay. Thanks. Thank you, Emily. Thank you.